At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Theme podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and as you can see and hear, I am still inside. Um, In this episode, we're going to talk about the importance of description, uh, language, why it matters, why it shapes our world. And we're also going to talk about it in context with um, magical working uh, and, and what that means in a practical, real world sense. Some of you may have just shut down, but I challenge you to stick with me for a minute. Um, before we get into that, go to the infinite spark of click the about button, read a little bit about me, what I have to offer you. And if you're interested in any one-on-one time with me, one-on-one sessions, doing thought transformation and restructuring grief and loss, uh, you can reach out via email or direct message, preferably on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. Um, This thought transformation restructuring method is something I honed over the years uh, working in mental health and addiction. It brought a lot of relief to a lot of people. Um, Very proud of it, Um, and it's worked. And um, if you'd like that too, go ahead and reach out. If you're interested in me doing a workshop, some sort of a talk at your yoga school or whatever facility it is, you can reach out via email or direct message on Instagram. Uh, Patreon, donate button up there. If you like the content that I provide you, you like the information that I give you, uh, feel free to donate through Patreon, I'm sorry, through PayPal or Venmo. Um, It's always appreciated when you guys do that and I'm always flattered and it really does help. Um, if you're interested in joining us on the first Wednesday of every month, you can do that through the $10 tier of Patreon. There's also a $1 and $5 tier, but the $10 gives you access to our once a month online Google Meet. Um, teaching, discussion, those things happen there. Um, and this week I've started an email with, uh, you know, topics that, you know, for you guys to think about, work with. Uh, This month, it was a uh, quote by Father Thomas Keating about um, the discovery of God and what that means. Um, Okay, so uh, description. I've mentioned this before, uh, one of Carlos Castaneda's books, I believe it was Separate Reality, where his shaman, Juan Matus, says, you are beaten over the head with the description of reality or you live in a description of reality and you're beaten over the head with that description until you repeat it back to them the way they told you to. Right. And that is, you know, something I was writing about in the book this morning and last night. Uh, and, and you, you are, you are forced to recite this description of reality over and over like a mantra mind tool, the tool that you're using to shape your mind Mind protection, protecting your mind against anything that's not that. That is the mantra that they give you and you recite it until lo and behold, you experience their 
description of reality. Now you live in their world and they deem you educated and send you out into the world to maintain the machine. Um, I, it sounds like I'm about to start screaming that I'm a sovereign citizen and no officer, I won't roll down my window, but I promise you I've never done that and don't intend to start. But that's, that's not really, look, we're not going to get free of description. We have to live within the, this is the world that we live in. This is the plane of consciousness that we're on. This is the human birth. But, but, um, to be aware of this stuff, I believe is more beneficial than not being aware of it. Um, it allows us an opportunity to change, to change the way we're describing it. And, you know, um, this birth for me personally allows me, uh, affords me the privilege of not needing to stay up on current events. Um, we can one day maybe go into the Vedic literature as to why that might be the case. Um, that should lose about half of you. Um, but I try to avoid it. Um, you know, I, it always makes me think of an episode of the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, some of you are far too young to remember that show, but there's an episode where Jed is shown a television and he, I'd see, he had seen one one other time and the person turns it on and there's a marlin or something jumping out of the, no, that's a different episode. But he looks at it and he goes, yeah, that was what was on my friend's TV too. Meaning like, like that, like every time I turn on a television or I'm exposed to the media in that way, it's the same thing every time. Um, so, you know, I figure the day that there's Russian, Chinese, or even Canadian tanks rolling down um, the street, I'll know something is up. Um, I do keep track of the weather. Um, yeah, I like the weather. But... Uh, None of it really changes. It all stays the same. But right now, it's, it's difficult to... You, you can't really avoid it. So I know what's happening. Um, I probably, uh, you know, due to my, my past interest in current events and history, probably know a little, little more than average about it, uh, at least the history of it. Um, but here's what I see, and I'm... I just say it this way, you know, not to purposely be shitty, but here's what I see from you. You just use their description. You speak their mantra, whether you agree with them or not. Even the person you disagree with, you take up their mantra and you use their language to describe the world. And you can dislike this and you can hate that all you want. But as long as you're using their description and their information to define all of this, then you're going to live in their world. That's how this works. You're, for instance, um, I'm looking at this chair and um, this object was given a name and a description to me at a very early age, right? And I don't approach a chair confused or even giving pause as to what I'm supposed to do with it, how I'm supposed to interact with it, and how I'm supposed to judge it. I just thoughtlessly interact with that object because it was described to me. That is the world. 
it was described to you and you, I'm being very general, I realize that, very thoughtlessly interact with it, whether it's love, God, success, food, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> you just, re you repeat the mantra and then you have their experience of it. It goes back to my, my widget thing, right? That if I put this object on the table, right? And you don't know what it is and your mind has no context for it. So I tell you that thing is called a widget. And you go, okay, so that's step one uh, is I name it. And this is my first attempt to create a solid reality. Uh, and uh, I just, I just, I start to describe its qualities to you. I go, widgets are dangerous, and you know, if they're handled inappropriately, they could, this could happen, and that could happen, and da da da. da. And you just, that's again my second, that's my second attempt at creating a solid world. And I'm telling you, because I want you to interact with widgets the way I interact with widgets. That will create an illusion of safety and an illusion of continuity for my mind. We automatically want to sur surround ourselves with like-minded people because that reinforces our description of reality and gives our nervous system some sense of safety, even if the description is shit, right? It's like, okay, well, at least you all know this is fucked, so I don't feel weird, and I, that's it. That's politics. That's religion. That's all of this. And I'm not saying that it's bad or that you have to escape it. What I'm saying is fucking at least look at it. You know, get curious. Why do you feel the way you feel? Do you? F so back to the widget thing, right? So I've told you about the widget and then you agree because we're friends, family, colleagues, whatever it is, you believe me. And why you believe me is a whole separate uh, episode, but you believe me. And you go about your day and then later on you encounter another one of these widgets and you, um, you experience thoughts and feelings about this thing and then you interact with it accordingly. Now in that moment, you are not having your own experience with widgets. You are experiencing my description of widgets. And you don't even know if my description that I gave you is accurate. You don't even know if it's my experience. I could have just repeated it to you. So it's this thing where, where they give us these descriptions, they give us these words. We go into school very young and they tell us how the world is. We tell, they tell us this, and now we're deemed educated. And we're educated enough to keep the machine going. Um, and like, again, you're not gonna escape this, but to understand it is very important. Right? I was very fortunate being raised by parents who questioned everything. My parents, their, their philosophy is who the fuck said so. That was the way they were. Um, so I'm, I'm very fortunate in that regard. Um, it's kept me inquisitive uh, regardless of the spiritual pursuit or professional pursuit. You know, um, and, and it's not, I'm not... I don't think I'm cynical. I really don't. Um, I'm curious, you know, and, and I, I notice language, how things are described to me. And am I using their description for it? Right. Um, I, I found it in 
my Buddhist Sangha. I found it at the Krishna temple. I found it everywhere. You know, it's just, that's it. You know, you, you go to work, right? And you have this job and like the first, you know, couple days you really like it, you know, and, and you enjoy it and you appreciate it. Right. And then you run across these people that have been there for a while and they're like, you know, this is typical for this place. And of course, this thing doesn't fucking work and blah, blah, blah. You know, and and the next thing you know, you're having their experience. You're noticing all of the things that they pointed out to you. And um, that's dangerous because what we're trying to do is remain free and uh not questioning their description of reality, the world at large is you're building your prison out of their stuff. You know, they're planting their seeds in your garden, right? So description is what we live within. Language is so important. Again, back to the chair, you know, like you interact with it because that's how you know. Take the chair analogy and apply it to love. Apply it to attraction with people, relationships. You know, um, you, you only know the object in a certain context, so you interact with it that way. And some of it is your experience, I guess. But is it your experience? Or are you having this experience with this person all the time because that's what you were told from a very early age that that's what it looks like you know and the, and so when i mentioned magic right witchcraft right um a magical working or a magical ceremony is something that a magician does in order to alter reality whether anyone likes it or not, we are all engaged in magical working. The people at the very top are engaged in that. The politicians, the religious leaders, these people, they are trying, they have policies, right? Let's look at what a policy is. That ancient idea that wisdom frees you in policy or morality binds you. Um, so they want a desired outcome. And in order to get that desired outcome, they have to describe it a certain way. And I don't know if they do it on purpose or not. But um, that is essentially them doing a magical working in order to get a desired outcome because they want a certain experience. They want life to look a certain way. So the guys that make the missiles, the people that make the tanks, the people that create the parts for the missiles, the people that create the parts for the tanks, and then you have the people that distribute those parts and sell those parts, and you have the people that inspect those parts. And it goes on and on and on and on and on, right? Uh, they need it to be a certain- At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. 
Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Way so that they can have their desired outcome. The people that build the prisons. The, there's the people that are building the prisons, these investors of the companies, and then you have their henchmen, the police officers and the cops and the sheriff's deputies, and these people that have, they have to put asses in the seats. It, and it goes on and on and on. You know, some of these people in our culture, I guess now they're called influencers, that they're, the content that they're providing is rooted in the suffering of other people and pointing out injustice, which is always good. But then you have to start asking yourself, what are you going to do if it's all okay? You know, um, certain people need their need need the, to need to have a crisis so that they can have value and they can have um, they can be relevant. They have their relevancy, right? A king, a queen need you to need them. Politicians need you to be confused about it. So they go, well, let me explain it to you. You know, we're all essentially recreating mommy and daddy out of these people. You know? Um, and then we fall into their mantra. We, we, they cast their spell using their language and we're under their spell. And when we are under their spell and their descriptions and their words, we see it the way they see it. Because language is a cognitive faculty of the mind that tells the body how to feel about its surroundings, the future, the past, whatever. This is dangerous stuff, man. It's, and everyone just falls in line. You know? Um, my parents had spells that they used on me. You know, I have my own. But to, re to realize the subjectivity of all of it, that you do have a choice on some level, that, that you can tweak it, bend it, shape it, that your world is, is, is built out of description. So whose description is it? You know, uh, that book by... Uh, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, I did not mean to just roll that R or attempt to, I wasn't trying to overpronounce that. Um, but he, uh, in the four agreements, he says, um, that first one is to be impeccable with your speech. And he gives a very basic, you know, reason why you should. But on another level, it's like, you look at the speech you're using, who told you to describe it that way? Who said this is how it's going to be and this is what... It's, it's a lot, man. But, you know, you're under their spell, which whatever side of the conflict or the issue you're on. For better or worse, you are under their spell. And I, you know, I challenge you to you know, describe it a different way. You know, you do this with your own life. You do this with yourself. You were given a description of you. From a very early age, you were described to you and you're beaten over the head with that description until you repeated it back to them. And, you know, I remember um, being a little boy and the school slash church that, you know, I received all of my early abuse and shaping from. And um, 
for the eight years I was there, a lot happened. Um, but it was interesting. So every Friday or something, we'd, we'd walk to this little library down the street. Now, I had a lot of learning disabilities as a kid, terribly dyslexic. I was left-handed. I, I had all of it, right? Um, I remember my mom, I was in high school, and was either high school or middle school? But um, it was my first kind of foyer into my early years in public school. And they noticed that I had a lot of problems. And so they called my mom to come in and talk to a guidance counselor or something. And the woman goes, you know, he should be in these, back then they called them SLD classes, severe learning disability. Now I think they call them gifted and wonderfully special classes. But in my day, they were severe learning disability classes because I wasn't able to learn. And it wasn't neurodivergent. It's that this kid can't fucking read. Um, so... Uh, the lady was saying, you know, the, he would benefit from this and this. And my mom said, is there going to be a special world that he can live in? Like special jobs? And then Millie was like, well, no. And my mom was like, well, then he's going to have to stay in regular classes and figure it out. On one hand, I was very upset. But on the other hand, I'm glad that that's what she did. But, you know, so I had these uh, issues, right? And um, it was characterized as, well, I'm not applying myself. That was the spell I was, I was put under. You're not applying yourself. You're not applying yourself. You're not applying yourself. You're not applying yourself. And, you know, recently I read a paper that was very interesting about how childhood abuse results in these learning disabilities for some people. And, I mean, I realize that correlation doesn't equal causation, but goddamn, right? So um, while I'm being abused, I'm being told I'm not applying myself. Abuse, you're not applying yourself. Abuse, you're not applying yourself. You're not applying yourself. You're not applying yourself. And then we go to this little library. And some of the kids were allowed to go into the young adult section to get Hardy Boys books and Nancy Drew and books about race cars. And I was forced to go into the children's section. And a few times I tried to sneak in. I was by myself. And you know how kids are. They're really cool when one gets isolated and, and, and pointed out to everybody. So I was forced to go into the children's section because they would say, you're not a strong reader. You're not a strong reader. You're not a strong reader because you don't apply yourself. You're not a strong leader because you don't, reader because you don't apply yourself. Da, 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 over and over and over. And I would try to sneak in there because I just wanted to read a Hardy Boys book. I wanted to try, you know. And then the teacher would yell at me and chastise me in front of the kids. This would happen all the time for not being a strong reader. I don't, I can't go into the young adult section because I can't read those books. And everyone would then make fun of it and reinforce it, reinforce it. Reinforce it. So those are spells. Those are descriptions. So I was described to myself. And so a lot of the work that I do with other people... Uh, is changing that description. We work very hard to use new language, reinforced repeatedly through practices that I design for them to do every day, that they are held accountable. I'm your accountability, but accountability buddy in this. And, so, and, and these are the things I've done with myself. And they're ongoing. 
right? I, I'm still engaged and still finding places where I'm like, oh, didn't know that was there. Like that episode I did on my own limiting beliefs, right? Um, and you, you got to stay curious about it. Where is the, the bottleneck? Where are you still limiting yourself in your description? But those things as a kid, that was tough, you know, um, I, I can remember um, uh, going back to college in my 40s, right? And I took uh, college algebra. And um, I'm sure I've told this story before, but uh, I was, um, I, I'd never passed a math class. It's why I went to like art school, right? Um, or school for like design and things like that. But um, I was afraid to take it. So I would take an edible and I would go to this class. I ended up with a B in it. And every week I had a test and my mom was still alive. And she, I'd be like, hey, I got a test this week. She's like, all right, you know, study hard. And she's like, how'd you do? And I'm like, I got a fucking B. And it was a B, an A, a B, an A. And I'd always say, that's crazy because I'm not good at math. That's crazy because I'm not good at math. I, but here I am getting A's and B's, right? Um, I think partly because I was on THC and my default mode network uh, settled down enough for me to just go, oh, this is stupid. They're all just dumb little games with their own rules. So I just got to remember the rules. Um What's funny is the next semester I took the next algebra class and I got, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to kill it. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm in my forties. Everyone's like 19, 18, like they're kids. It's teacher and she's younger than me, older than them. And they're still in that age where they think the teacher is like an authority. One of my good friends is a retired school teacher and she's listening to this right now and she's now laughing. But they still think that you guys are like in charge of shit. That like, oh, you're a teacher. You must fucking know things. Um, <laughs> the joke always made is when you're, when you're a kid, the criteria for intelligence is just has to do with height. Like if you're taller than me, then somehow you know something. And when you're a kid, especially those teen, teenage years, you think that since someone's older that they fucking know something you don't know. Um, anyway, but uh, uh, she explained something and she goes, everyone understand that? And I raised my hand and said, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't understand. And so she comes back to my desk and she, I'm sitting in a circle of people because we had to work in these little pods. And I go, yeah, I don't understand why this. She goes, oh, and she explained it again. And she goes, does that make sense? I said, ah, it, it doesn't. And she goes, well, I don't know what to tell you and walked away. Now, um, I'm in my 40s and I'm paying for it now, right? This is my, I paid for this shit. And I said, I'm, excuse me, excuse me. And she turns around and I go, I'm paying you to explain this to me. It is your job to explain it to me. It's not my job to understand you. You're on the clock. And there's muttering in class because these kids, you know, they still think that this lady's a fucking authority figure. She's not. Um, but they've, they're under a spell. Uh, that was, incidentally, it was my last day of that class. Uh, so um, anyway, 
Uh, <laughs> but it's these descriptions. Even these roles of authority get described to you in such a way that you think it's real. How much of it's a description? How much of it is your experience? How much of your experience was due to a description that was you're predisposed to? Um, so the idea is that language is a cognitive faculty of the mind. Language is a series of uh, pre-agreed upon symbols and sounds that we're all going to say this is a this and that's a that, right? That's what language is. So it's putting the world into context and telling your nervous system how to feel about it and telling your mind how to think about it. We live in a description of reality. I personally use the description of the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, some people use the description of Tucker Carlson or uh, Rachel Maddow or a uh, name some other talking head fuckstick that sits in front of a television and tells you how to feel about the world displayed there at the front of your living room like some sort of a shrine to a flat glass god. So I'm talking into a flat glass god. Um, anyway, that's... We're not going to avoid it. Description is part of our world. Look at your description. Your descriptions, these descriptions are mantras. Mind tool, it's the tool that you're using to shape your mind. It's mind's protection. You are protecting your mind against anything that's not that description. Think about it. Go to theinfinitesparkofbeing.com, click the about button, read a little bit about me, see what I can offer you in terms of one-on-one -on -one sessions, workshops, talking, speaking, doing this in your face in real time. Um, we've been doing this forever. You and me, we've been reminding each other birth after birth, lifetime after lifetime. I love you all. Um, I will talk to you next week. Bye.